Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Troy Dooley, and it is Friday. I tell you what, we have had a phenomenal week, not just here at, at, the, at the firm that I work at. I mean, we just have a blast doing everything from shooting videos to watching the news to doing these stories. But, I mean, just from around the world, as I've shared and talked with people, it is truly amazing to me to, to constantly see what has been taking place what's been going on, and the way people's lives are being changed. I mean, literally, around the globe. I was on with one of my strategic partners out of Germany this morning. Uh, He runs a wonderful international magazine on home-based business. And I think, you know, it's it's interesting. I don't care what niche it is, what what industry. I don't care if it's, it's religious. It seems like whatever country you're from, you think everything rises and falls in that country. And and Lord knows, I mean, you look at my Facebook wall, you all know I am about as patriotic as they can get for America, especially for the South. And it, it really cracks me up because I catch myself doing the same thing. I've sat in church, and you'd think people thought the good Lord's coming back to America and going to set up shop in Washington. And that's how networkers are sometimes. That's the way home-based business people are. And I tell you what, network marketing, direct sales, the home-based business arena as a whole – is alive and thriving across the globe. And that's why I just love it when I get to, to talk to people outside the United States. It's just fun. You know, today I wanted to look at something. I thought, man, what are we going into Friday? What is it that we can cover? And, and I wanted to stay on this, this groove that we're in on success because I just think it's important as, as we're moving forward, especially if you're a home-based business entrepreneur. Now, I'm going to tell you, next week we'll be we'll be doing the radio show live from – North Carolina, I've got some work to do up there, and we're going we're gonna to continue to carry it on. But I've been studying and studying and studying success for I don't know how long. And not my own success. Lord knows I failed probably more than I succeed. But I try to study other people, from, from Tim Sanders, who's been the, the chief leadership officer over at Yahoo, to, to Bill Gates, to, to now I'm starting to study the new pope to find out how does a – a small bishop or cardinal, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure which is the highest, but from Argentina become the Pope of the world's largest Protestant. Well, I guess that's not Protestant, so I guess the world's largest religious organization. I mean, that's what Catholic, that's what Catholics are. And, you know, it's amazing as you study individuals how they get in the position they are, and the humbleness in some cases that they have. But the one common denominator that I have found, whether it's a mom trying to be a better mom, a husband trying to be a better lover, whether whether it's a, a, a businessman or an engineer trying to, to become better at their craft, whether it's a pilot trying to become an astronaut, I don't care what it is, learning, continual learning has been the key. I call it, Constant and never-ending improvement in one's life. That's what it is, canny, if you will. Constant and never-ending improvement. It's something that not everybody understands. It's something that not everybody wants to do. I can remember thinking, well, man, all these people want me to buy this book. They want me to buy these CDs. They're, they're going to cost me hundreds or thousands of dollars. They just want me to buy their craps, all they do. I mean, all it's going to be is the same thing. Why would I do that? I'll just listen to Tony Robbins' infomercial for 30 minutes over and over, and I'll get it. I mean, that was my naivety coming through, but that was the concept. 
Now my wife will tell you, I, I invest, not spend, I invest thousands a year in personal development, in studying each niche, each culture. I get magazines. I, I, it's amazing what you can learn. And I've written this down, and I think it's important. It was important when I wrote it down. It's important today. The day you stop growing is the is the beginning of the end of your success. Now, when I was 18, 19 years old and I wrote that down, I was just full-fledged in the Marine Corps at the time. and Right then I was constantly learning. And, and I can remember thinking, one day I'll make it. One day it'll be all right. And I can I can remember as I hit my 20s and I was hitting my strive. I mean, by then we had run and, and owned a successful bounty hunting business that was national. We had become the general agent for one of the world's largest uh, insurance companies that, that underwrote the bail bond business. We had broke through the political mayhem in a small town called Independence, Missouri, to become the first bail bond company in there in over a decade. There, it was tied up with just five companies. We had broken through so much. My ego and cockiness, of course, cost us a lot. By the time I was 25 on paper, I was worth over $1 million dollars. And by the time I was 26, I was dead, busted, broke. And what I'd learned was that I had stopped learning. I had stopped striving to better myself. I had stopped striving. I didn't have anything set. Somebody said, set a goal and go for it. I did, but I didn't have anything else past that. I very quickly learned of my errors, and we made the, we made the corrections. And today we live in a wonderful community on an island right off the coast of Florida. It's on a barrier island. It's wonderful. But it's because I continued to learn. The life that I learn and live in business today, the the influence that I have was because I'm continuing to learn and continuing to grow. My one of my strategic partners, Roy Williams and I were talking about that yesterday. He said, Troy, I think I'm gonna fly out to to Vegas, what do you think? I said, hey, man, that's good. He's going to LeadCon. I said, you're going to learn a boatload of stuff. I said, most of it we won't be able to use, but at least you'll know how the lead generation business works at the top level. Just having some fun, some powerful stuff. Learning is the key. And that's, that's, the, that's the dilemma. You know, that there's a story I remember reading, and I don't know if it was something from Tony Robbins, Art Williams, Jim Rohn, Dennis Whiteley, I just remember reading it. And it was about this little bitty guy sporting a tiny mustache, carrying a cane, and wearing baggy pants. He always had big clumsy shoes on, always wore a derby hat. And most people of my mom and dad's generation would have known him as Charlie Chapman. In the 1910s and the 1920s, he was the most famous and recognizable person on the planet. If we look at today's celebrities, I think the only person that maybe even comes close to Chaplin's category of popularity from, I'm, I'm talking about around the globe, might be Michael Jordan. Because that's, that's how well people knew him. And when you think about it, to measure a big star like that, we would have to wait another 75 years to go from Chaplin to Michael Jordan. Maybe Tiger Woods could, could fit the mold. 
But this is the funny thing about the story. When Chaplin was born, nobody would have predicted what he would become. He was born in poverty. He was the son of an English music hall performer, actually performers. He found himself on the streets as a small child when his mom was institutionalized. And back then, and, and, and the way it worked, he, went, he was shifted from workhouses to orphanages. But soon he began working on stage to support himself. And by the age of 17, he was a veteran performer. In 1914, while just in his mid-20s, he worked for Max Sinek of Keystone Studios. Now, listen, this is the amazing thing. He was making 100 and fifty dollars a week. Just a hundred and fifty a week. Now remember this is the nineteen twenties. But 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 listen, this is the interesting thing. Or that was nineteen fourteen, I guess. So listen. During the first year in the movie business, he made thirty five films, working as the actor, the writer, and the director. Everyone recognized his talent immediately and his popularity began to grow. One year later, he went from earning 150 a week to 1250 a week. A lot of money back then. But now listen to this. In 1918, 14 years, I mean four years, after he started in acting, he did something unheard of. He signed the entertainment industry's first $1 million dollar contract one just four years after he got started from the first year he went from 150 a week to 1250 or 1250 then he went to a million dollars a year the reason this is why this story stuck out and I wrote it down the reason that Chaplin was successful because he was had a great talent and incredible drive but that wasn't the only reason he was teachable. He constantly listened and learned. He strived to grow, to perfect his craft. He wasn't content with just the status quo. He drove it deep and he drove it hard. And by doing that, he changed the daggum world. Now, I love watching his creativity. Not something that I could do on a daily basis, but I love when I can read a story about somebody, I dig deep to go see what they're like. When I looked at this story and I started thinking of Michael Jordan, I thought, here's somebody that practiced, practiced, practiced. When I grew up, Tom Watson was the, the big golfer of the time. I grew up in Kansas City and he was from there. and I remember him talking about the practice. He said, people will come up to me and they'll say, boy, I wish I could be like you. And he'd say, no, you don't. Because you probably wouldn't practice the way I do. I ran a country club once and I watched what guys did to play golf and they practiced, practiced, practiced. Evil Knievel lived in my town. People thought he was just nuts and he would jump over everything. But in talking to him one day at the country club, he said it takes years of practice, practice, practice. I thought, wow. 
Derek Thomas, one of the best football players of his time, would come into the club and we'd chat. He used to love my little girls. He had boatloads of kids. I said, DT, what's it take, dude? I mean, you're, you know, you're so. He goes, you know what it takes? The same thing it takes me on the golf course. Practice, practice, practice. Constantly striving, constantly learning, doing everything that you can do to become the best that you can be at each stage of the game. Now, I'm not talking about being a jack-of-all-trades. I'm talking about figuring out what it is you want to do, and then you dig so freaking deep into it, you can make it happen. When I lost my bail bond business, I thought I was at my wit's end. My attorney called and said, Troy, I've got a client that's kind of looking for a a partner, but what he really needs is your abilities as a bodyguard and as a driver, and he would like to know if you'd be willing to come to work for him. I said, sure. This gentleman owned a turnaround business, a mergers and acquisition firm at the time, very small, but he had four or five businesses under his belt. And I learned a lot of what not to do in business from him, but I also learned a lot what to do in business from him. And I learned the mergers and acquisition business inside and out. I learned how to go in and and evaluate companies, grab the assets, strip out the non-performing assets, and then sell off the business as a viable concern. Had feed mills, mattress companies, precast concrete companies. Was going after an insurance company when the firm fell apart. I learned a lot. Later in life, I went to work for a gentleman who was one of the most remarkable marketers I've ever seen, and I learned so much about how to do marketing. Now, I also learned what not to do. See, all along the way, everything that I did became just another bridge to another successful point in my life. I used to listen to preachers preach, and I thought, you know, I don't really want to become a preacher, but I want to be able to understand the Bible in a way that's real. And I started studying it and studying it and listening to other people and seeing what they had to say and then studying the Bible, and I realized that so much stuff is out there that there's no way to to know if, if I should learn Catholicism, if I should learn stuff from the Protestant denominations. So I just said, you know what, I'm going to learn the Bible. Learning is the key. To learn the Bible, you know what I did? I didn't even read the Bible. I mean, heck, seems pretty simple. If you want to read the Bible, then just read what's in it, and that'll give you the answers. But I had to make sure it was real. I wanted to know that it wasn't just a made-up fiction. I started to read the works of Josephus, a, a long, long-ago philosopher in the Jewish community. I, I read other great old papers. When I wanted to study about American history, I knew I could study the American Constitution. That's what everybody touts all the time, and I carry it with me. But you know what I did? I wanted to find the truth out. What was it that caused the the War of Northern Aggression, what some people would call the the Civil War, what the Yankees call the uprise of civil rebellion by the rebels? You know what I found out? That the Constitution for the Confederate States had already banned slavery. So I realized very quickly slavery must not have been the real issue. 
It's interesting what you learn when you read. And that's what I've learned throughout my business life. If I want to keep moving, if I want to move in the right direction, guess what I have to do? I have to be willing to, to, to continue to grow. See, your growth determines who you are as a person. Who you are determines who you attract. And who you attract determines the success of your organization. If you're not attracting people that are as hungry as you are, then your organization isn't going to grow, at least not as fast as you want. So here's, a, here's some things I want you all to write down. They're just four or five, but I think these are important. I wrote them down. Number one, you've got to cure your destination disease. Success is not a destination. It's a continual journey. And as life changes, so will you. I'm, I'm in the process of, of helping to put together a business deal. It's between a software company, a, a mobile app developer, and, and an equity group. And one of the things that I've had to work real hard on was for people to understand that technology is not a destination, it's a journey. There's always going to be continual improvements. There's always going to be things that you have to upgrade. You've got to watch the trends. You've got to know what's coming out ahead of the curve. And when you don't do that, then you don't win. Well, guess what? If we have a lack of teachability we'll have a lack of achievement. If we think that success is a destination, then we'll somewhere along the line we will stop. Well, when I get my master's, when I get my doctorate, when I get my MBA, when I just graduate the Marine Corps, when I get... You no, know, it's a continue. You've got to continue to grow. I'm married. I know everything there is to know about having a woman with me. Shoot, 95% of the people that get married don't even know what they're supposed to do on their wedding night. So how the heck do you think you're supposed to grow a relationship? Most people that start to build an organization, whether it's brick and mortar or, or virtual, don't have a freaking clue what they're doing. They don't know anything about people. I'm not being rude. I'm just being serious because we all think we know things, but we stop growing. We stop learning. We need to be reading as much as we can from all types of different philosophies and theology and theory and weighing it against what we know as the truth in different, I mean, not just in religion. I'm talking about in business and everything. Tom Haupt, my mentor, my, my personal coach, is constantly reminding me, Troy, everything that happened to you from zero to 18 still plays a role in your life. And I said, well, that sucks. Because my life was kind of weird back then, dude. He said, that's why you've continually got to read and break through those paradigms. Get rid of those limiting beliefs. Well, that's, that's a true statement. See, effective people can't afford not to continue to grow. They can't afford to think that success is a destination. Ray Kroc, the, not, not the founder of McDonald's, but literally the, the visionary behind what we know as McDonald's today, that as long as you're green, you're growing. As soon as you're ripe, you start to rot. I thought that was pretty powerful. Number two, you've got to be able to overcome your success. You know, one of my worst traits, I'll never forget this, I started believing all the crap that was written in the press about me at a young age. 
from my success as a bail bondsman to my success at running country clubs. I, I, I. I had to get rid of that. And very quickly learned this has nothing to do with me. Not one iota. See, when we're teachable, it's not about us. Today, as some of you guys know, to make sure that I stay focused the way I do, I have two two bracelets I wear. One says, act humbly, love mercy, or excuse me, act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. The other one says, I am second. Now I have a third bracelet that I wear too that never leaves my arm and it reminds me of the unbreakable love that my wife and I have. They're visionary reminders for me that I've got just as big an ego as anybody else. See, I've had to learn, and I try to teach people this. Don't tell me about your past successes. Tell me about what you're doing right now and where you're going tomorrow. People don't care about what you did do. They want to know what you are doing. Number three, you've got to swear off the shortcuts. There are no shortcuts in life. Nancy Dorden, who is just a phenomenal network marketer in her own right, her and her husband, uh, Jim Dorden, are the, the founders of Network 21 over at Amway. She says the longest distance between two points is a shortcut. Well, my wife would tell you that. We were coming to Destin. It was like the second or third time we were coming down for vacation. And I said, honey, there's a shortcut over here. We'll just take this shortcut. I ended up on Whiteman's Air Force Base with guys with machine guns pointed at us because we'd gotten lost. We don't take shortcuts no more. I mean, my daddy took a shortcut once in Canada, popped a hole in the gas tank or something. No, no, ripped the, the cable off of the gas gauge, and all of a sudden the car said we're on empty in the middle of what I felt like was the tundra at the time. Scare the pee out of you when you're in the middle of another country, in the middle of nowhere, you're like seven, eight years old, and your dad goes, huh, I thought I filled up the freaking gas tank. Here's the craziest thing. you got to be careful. Swear off shortcuts. Shortcuts aren't going to work. Number four, trade in your pride. See, teachability requires us to admit we don't know everything. And in some cases, that can make us look pretty bad. In addition, if we keep learning, we must also keep making mistakes. Why is it that people think mistakes are bad? Listen, sin is bad. Mistakes is just part of life. Of course, that's also funny when I hear people say, I made a mistake, I got her pregnant. Well, what what mistake is that? Freaking weren't married, you shouldn't have been playing with the goodies. Now, I'm not trying to press my values on somebody else. I'm just saying, we in America today, we in the society today, we mistake sin and mistakes. We we It's like the words are interchangeable. Mistakes are acceptable. The way I believe, sin is not. It's not that we don't do it every day. Lord knows we do. But what we need to be striving for is to stay away from sin and don't worry about the mistakes. Grow through them. Don't make the same mistake two or three times. I'm going to tell you that right now. Don't do that. Won't work. Focus through the mistakes. To do that, you've got to get rid of your pride. You've got to realize 
that your pride can hold you back. Your pride can kill your success. See, the greatest mistake that we can make in life is to continue fearing that we're going to make one. Who cares? Doesn't matter. That's what makes Dalton one of my craziest boys. He just doesn't care if he makes mistakes. He just fixes them. Okay, that didn't work. I'm going to go for it. Hey, Dad, screwed up the website. Did you do a backup? Yep, I'll put it back up, and I'm going to try this again. I made a mistake. Him and Thomas Edison would have got along like two peas in a pod, I'm telling you. I want you to remember this, and we're going to move on. You cannot be prideful and teachable at the same time. Emerson wrote that. You just got to remember that. And lastly, number five. Never pay twice for the same mistake. Now, that's something that I have focused on the hardest. Learn from the mistake the first time out. Take deep notes of what your learning experience was and move on. One of my my, my heroes, President Teddy Roosevelt, said this, He who admits no mistakes makes no progress. Man, he made a boatload of mistakes, and there's things he did I just disagree with. Great president. But see, the person who keeps making the same mistakes is also making no progress. You've got to be able to look at your mistake and move forward. I learned all kinds of mistakes from the time I grew up to being an adult. I learned a long time ago the difference between a mistake and a sin. Sadly, I've sinned more than once doing the same daggum stupid thing. But I've tried my hardest not to make the same mistake twice. Matter of fact, this week it's a prime example. I get home, my boys, Dalton and Josh, had laid wood floors for my wife in our in our living room. Now our house is a wreck and I'm leaving town, but she looked at it and she said, it looks good, doesn't it? I said, man, does it ever. I mean, this really kicks butt. The whole floor, and there was only one small mistake. And that was due to the fact neither one of them had ever laid floors before. One small mistake. I saw what it was. I was able to fix it. I was so proud of them. But then you know what happened? Papa ego. Pride. Not in a bad way. Now, this is good. Mama loves it. I said, you know, it would look really good in here. Some beadboard, babe. I said, that would cut that wall from being all blue because they painted her walls too. I said, a little blue and white. We went up and bought beadboards. So I put beadboard in all week. And guess what? I measure twice and I cut once. Measure twice and I cut once. The same thing reads with mistakes. Why would you pay for the same mistake twice? Pay for it once, learn from it, move on. Don't stand back. You've got to never, ever, folks, stop growing. As we close out today, I want you to think about this over the weekend. Start observing how you respond to the mistakes that you make. Do you admit them? Do you focus on them? Do you write down? Do you do you write down what you've learned and move on? That's what needs to be done. Try something new. Go out of your way today to stretch yourself. And last, and I think this is the biggest, learn in your areas of strength. Don't try to be everything to everybody. Just go learn what you're good at and strengthen what you're good at and strive deeper and harder because that is what will change your life personally and in business. Live life like it's an epic adventure. Stay dangerous. Stay strong.
And if you're in a home-based business, act like it. You've been listening to the Beachside CEO heard around the world on the Home Business Radio Network, the voice in positive powered radio.